0: Our Bible reading for today comes from Exodus chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses... Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Um, Tim is going to explain that.
1: Because that's what everyone was wondering, right? <laughs> <Like> <laughs> um, thanks so much, Lynn. That was great just to hear that whole chapter. It was a long reading today, but um, just wanted that story to kind of be the basis for what um, just want to share today. Um, I'm not going to go back through the passage in detail like we normally do, just going to kind of take that story as a basis um, to look at what we've been talking about, about unhurrying and, and slowing down and, and resting. Um, but to do it, to start with, I just want you to think of that story. Um, you might have heard that story before, read it before, maybe never heard it before. Um, it's easy to sort of look at those stories and be like, oh, what were the Israelites thinking? Like they just wouldn't do what God said and and so forth. Um, but what I want us to do today in some ways is, is kind of what Sue was talking about before, like kind of place ourselves in the story. Try to imagine what that actually would have been like to be in a desert, to be in a wilderness, there's actually no food around anywhere at all, and not just you, but a huge community of people, no shops, no, no nothing to eat, um, just think about what that would feel like, I guess, emotionally, as you sort of look out and see that there's just a desert. Um Think about even just how we panic when the shops close for a lockdown and the shops aren't even closed. It's just a lockdown, but the shops are open. But people freak out, right? There's not going to be enough food or something. Imagine actually being in the desert. There is actually not enough food. And then all of a sudden, there's food on the floor. It's this miraculous thing that God provides food on the floor, but he says you can only take enough for the day. So you collect your food for the day, And I guess you eat all your food for the day, and then you just have to wait and hope that there's food tomorrow. And then you collect food the next day. And then maybe you start to get into a rhythm with that, and things are kind of feeling all right now. Okay, we collect food for the day, we eat for the day, we collect food for tomorrow, we eat for tomorrow. And then you get to a day, and God says, now collect for two days, and the next day there's nothing. And you're in a desert, and you have to rest. (laughs) Like, it's a strange picture, right? You just have a holiday in the desert. Rest, have a Sabbath, have a day off. Can you imagine actually living like that and actually experiencing that rhythm that God was teaching the Israelites? Because like, he's teaching them a lesson in this. And I think what it would clearly teach them, or if we were in that situation, would clearly teach us, is that we are not in control. They are not in control. They're actually completely dependent on God. And yes, they had to do some work, but it was only very small, and it was God who dictated the rhythm of that, and what he was teaching them was that he is the one in control. And if you're in a desert, and you're completely at the mercy of this God, that they still didn't really know that well, they knew about it, but not really very well, that probably would be pretty scary, right? That's quite a vulnerable position to be, not having control realising that your life is actually not sustained by your work, it's actually completely dependent upon this God. That could be quite a scary place. Or, potentially, it could be an incredibly joyful place, because they recognise that actually we have a God who feeds us enough, even in the wilderness, and who gives us a day of rest, even in the wilderness. We have a God who is generous and cares for us, Even when we grumble and complain, and we don't have control, but He has control, and we can rest in Him. So, one sort of perspective could be this could be incredibly scary, or this could be incredibly joyful. Again, fast forward to today, right? Like most of the time, the food is abundant in the shops, there is plenty of food around. We're not in a wilderness, we're not in a desert. We live in a time of abundance. Yet, I think still today, if we tried to practice just working enough to have your needs met for one day at a time, that would make people quite nervous, right? We don't tend to work just for one day at a time. We tend to work for many years in advance and want to have protection and, and accumulation and bank accounts so that problems that happen, we're be going to be prepared and, and secure. And And there's, there's there's wisdom to that, but it's interesting, this picture, though, of being in the The wilderness and just trusting God for each day. Um, We don't work, tend to work just for our daily needs. We tend to work for our wants and our desires above that and security for the future. We don't live in a wilderness or a desert, but still, for many people, the thought of stopping work for a day and simply resting and not doing much is enough to make them incredibly anxious. Because what will happen if we stop work? Will there be enough? It can lead to feelings of being anxious and overwhelmed. But in the desert, right, God provided enough for each day and even for rest. And we see that God's heart is for us to experience rest, even in a wilderness. God's heart is for his people to know rest in him. And perhaps in some ways we have a different type of wilderness. We, we don't live In our society, for the most part, with needing to worry about food. But as we've been talking about, I think many people worry about a lack of time. Even though we have the same amount of time as everybody else in the history of the world has had. But most people feel like there's not enough time. There's too much to do. Too much work, too many activities, too many needs. So what tends to happen, and as we've been talking about, is we work constantly. We pack activities into the schedule. We go at an incredibly fast pace. We need to respond to the demands and get through it all. And I think, in a sense, it leads to a, a different kind of wilderness. I guess you could call it a time poverty, a sense of there being too much to do, a sense of the future being uncertain, and perhaps even an emotional wilderness, whereas many people more and more experience some form of constant anxiety. And stopping even makes that anxiety worse. But what we see is it's God's heart for us to experience rest. And we've been looking at that in this series, particularly looking at this invitation from Jesus. I'll read it again. It's just such such great verses that Jesus says in Matthew 11. Again, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come to him for rest. All right? We're going to talk about that. What we're well, focusing on today is not so much that it's the day that gives us rest, or a Sabbath that gives rest. In many ways, Jesus fulfills the Sabbath, and we come to him for rest, but he also calls us to take on his yoke. And one of the things that he teaches us in his yoke is to pray for daily bread which this prayer in for daily bread kind of can remind us of this story where God literally provided daily bread and was teaching his people to trust him Jesus also teaches us not to worry about tomorrow but trust God will provide uh, Matthew 6 9 to 11 that's the Lord's prayer um, you probably we, we know well and in verse 11 Jesus us and tells us daily to pray for our daily, needs. It's a a posture of living, even though we're not in a wilderness, but living, trusting God to provide for each day, not trusting our ability to work and control life to get our needs met. It's a daily trust, a daily faith, daily dependence. We've been thinking about Jesus' life, so his yoke, and, and how did Jesus live this unhurried life of rest and one thing Jesus did is Jesus actually practiced a day of rest each week. Jesus practiced a Sabbath. He was a Jew in the first century. But as we've seen in the stories, Jesus also practiced the Sabbath differently and, and challenged people's understanding of the Sabbath and even said he was Lord of the Sabbath. And kind of what we're looking at today is this practice of Sabbath that's fulfilled in Jesus. We're not under the law anymore. We don't need to keep a Sabbath in a strict legalistic way. Um, In the New Testament, Paul makes the Sabbath a practice of freedom. He says some on one day, some treat all days the same. This is not at all something that we say we have to have uh, a literal Sabbath. But Jesus' yoke is to live trusting God and his heart is for us to find rest. And one way for us to work a rhythm into our lives of rest is to take times of rest that we could call a Sabbath. Whether that's a day a week, or a time, uh, some time a week, um, not as a legalistic command, but as a way of practicing faith and reminding ourselves that actually we're not in control, but God's in control. So the kind of point today is God's heart is for us to, is to experience rest, and actually a weekly or regular rhythm of work and rest, some form of Sabbath in our lives, actually helps us to do that. God's heart is for us to experience rest, as we've been talking about, that we have to do things, we have to position ourselves to rest. And this looks like literally stopping, to rest. The word Sabbath means to cease, to stop. Ceasing work sometime each week to practice trust in God, to remind ourselves that God is creator, we are creation, we don't run the world, He does, and we get to enjoy His sufficiency and trust in Him. The point... Um, is not to follow a religious rule um, and just not do something for a day. The point is, how do we get a rhythm in our week that keeps us in a posture of daily trust and rest in God? And this is one practice that can help with that. Um, on this, Tim Mackey um, says this um, this quote. He says, The Sabbath rest was about intentionally disrupting your weekly rhythm to remind yourself that your own life all your provision ultimately comes not from my own work and striving, but from God. And, like, maybe you might say, well, of course I know that, right? God provides everything. I know that God gives me the ability to work. I know that God's faithful. I know that God provides. But I don't need to stop and rest. Like, I just know that God provides, right? But there can be a disconnect. Because if we say, well, God provides, and I trust God and depend upon God, but can't stop and rest... It shows that there's a disconnect. If we're unable to Sabbath, because we say there's too much to do, there's too many needs, there's too many demands, I can't stop, it shows that something is out of whack. And actually, God is not in his position. Maybe we've actually taken that position ourselves. On this, Eugene Peterson says this. He's pretty strong on it, perhaps a bit too strong, but it makes a point. He says this, if you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much, you're being too much in charge, You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. Again, the point that I'm making today, and I I think in the New Testament, the point is not that you have to follow this command or rule and, and you have to have this formal sort of day of rest. That's not the point. The point is that not being able to rest is a symptom of a deeper problem of taking too much control in life and not trusting God. And a solution is to practice rest, because that actually realigns our hearts and our minds into this posture of trust in God. Um, probably many, many people have experienced this as a legalistic rule. Um, probably can remember maybe when, when everything was closed on Sundays and maybe the Sabbath was just this negative thing of all these things you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to do anything fun, you're not allowed to do anything... Uh, at all, you just sit all day and do nothing, or something like that. It's just this sort of negative picture, legalistic rule, and that's probably true. That's been a lot of people's experience. Unfortunately, though, because of that, I think in many ways, we kind of easily swing the other direction, which says, well, I can just work all the time. There's nothing wrong with working all the time. I'll we'll just work a lot. If I'm not working, I'll just be working at church or doing activities done around the house and just be nonstop, go all the time, and I'll rest when the work is done. But it's never done. So never rest and never stop. And I think there's a middle ground, which is not saying that this is a rule that we have to follow. Ultimately, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. The actual invitation of the New Testament is really to live in a continual state of rest because we have Jesus living in us. But a way to live that is to at least put some portion of our week as a time where we deliberately stop and rest, and allow our uh, our souls to realign to God. So God's heart is for us to experience rest, even in a wilderness, and a regular rhythm of work and rest, some form of Sabbath, helps us to do this. So we're kind of doing this series is, is we're talking about this concept of rest, but also trying to think, well, what are spiritual practices, what are things we can actually do in our week to help us? Um, because what happened last year and and a bit this year right, is we had things forced on ourselves, and lockdown was an experience of Sabbath for for many. For for some, they just had to work through the whole thing, and life just got busier. But for many, it was a forced stop. Um, The lockdown was a time where you couldn't go out. You had to slow down. It was a forced experience of remembering that we're not in control, that God is. Um, it was also a time that many people realized that it's actually good just to enjoy simple things like family and home and, and food and just be grateful for beautiful sunrises and sunsets. And Sabbath is about that as well. It's just remembering and celebrating God's good creation. When we go on holidays and have a good restful holiday, sometimes holidays are not restful, right? Sometimes people need holidays from their holidays because they just pack everything into the holiday and it's it's just crazy. But if we have a proper holiday where it's restful, where you get to sleep, where you get to sit, where you get to rest, maybe if you're camping, um, maybe you've experienced this this feeling of a sense of a soul being realigned to God, remembering who God is, remembering who we are, remembering our place is dependent. A holiday can do that. So a holiday can do that. A lockdown can do that. But what would it be like to not just have this as something that's imposed on us or something that just happens once or twice a year, but actually is a regular rhythm that we're a part of, a regular rhythm of work and rest that reminds us that God is in control, that we're not in control, He is good, and we can trust and rest in Him. Um, Tam and I have been kind of experimenting with this probably over the last three, four years, just trying to practice some form of of a weekly Sabbath. Um, we've been doing it on a, on a Friday night normally till like a Saturday evening. With some success and some failure, again, not being like a rigid thing, some seasons it's been going really good, some seasons other things crowd in. Um, sometimes I'm too legalistic about it and then I relax too much about it and it sort of goes up and down. But it's been a really good practice that has been really life-giving um, for us. Um, in general, we have a date night on Friday, I might go out to dinner or we watch a movie. Saturday, we'll just have a lazy morning. Often, I'll just sit out the back and just spend a lot of the morning just sitting, and you know, sometimes just sitting and doing nothing. Um, thinking, praying, reading. We'll go for a run, have a nap, try not to check the phone. Um, we'll go out for a bushwalk. We'll just do activities that are more about being present, being present to God, being present to each other, not just trying to get things done. It's a different mode. And I have another day off. That's all about getting things done. But on a Sabbath day, it's about just resting, enjoying bread, um, enjoying good food, um, just allowing my soul to align to God. And it's interesting. It's been an interesting experience because often on a Friday evening, finishing up the work week, going into a Sabbath, a practice of Sabbath, I get really anxious. And it's the same feeling, I think, when you're at work, before going on holidays and you're like, well, have I done everything? Is everything covered? Or well, before you go away on holidays and like, have I packed everything? Is everything organized? Or have I done all the work that I need to do? Is everything fine? Or oh, and then there'll be like some issue that's on my mind that I just can't get off. And it's actually interesting because I think what happens is that the regular practice of having to stop brings to the surface the fact that I'm actually been running on anxiety a lot of the last few days actually I've been anxious and I've been wanting control and I've been trying to work to do that. But actually that's not the right posture. The right posture is to be trusting God and working from rest. But the only way to kind of actually know what's going on is to stop. Because when you stop, what's going on comes to the surface. And it's often not comfortable, but it's actually good because if it comes to the surface, you can, in a sense, scoop it off and, and realign to God and come back to this place of trust. It's actually a gift if we stop and realize we're anxious. It's actually a gift because we realize what's going on. We can release it to God and come back to the sense of alignment. Um, In many ways as well, having to stop is a test of faith because it means we have to trust God that He will provide of the things that we missed or the things that still need to be done as well. So I suppose the invitation from today is, if it's not already a practice that you've tried, is to experiment with some form of regular rhythm of work and rest, which could be a day where you just say, this is a day to rest. Um, it could be on a Sunday. It could be a Saturday. It could be a Sunday during the week. I don't think it matters what the day is. If that just sounds impossible, it could be a half day. It could be a few hours. It's a principle of, of practice it needs to be suitable for your season of life, whether you have kids or married or single, um, what, what, whatever it could work well in that season. This is not this rigid thing, but how do we actually start to practice rest? Again, this is not a day where you just have to do nothing. Um, it's a time of rest and worship. So one thing to consider is what helps you feel rested. If it's going to the beach... Go to the beach for a day and just rest and pray and worship. If it's eating good food, do that for the day. If it's just sleeping and napping, do that. It's not a day where you just have to pray all day or just study the Bible all day. If that will lead to rest, then do that. Um, It's about a day of centering on God and remembering who He is and that ultimately He's the one that works and we get to enter His work. Um, it's interesting because again, like Jesus practiced the Sabbath, but at the same time he redefined and challenged the Sabbath. Uh, he he made it about him. He challenged the misunderstandings about it, and on the Sabbath he often worked to bring restoration to people. He would heal people deliberately on the Sabbath. Um, he he was working in that sense, um, and on one occasion when challenged for working on the Sabbath, this is how Jesus responded in John five. 16 to 18 says this. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. See, Jesus understanding and description of what's going on. He said, my father is working and I'm working. He has this picture of God as father, as as Lord over all, and he's at work and Jesus is cooperating and working with the father. And the point of practicing a Sabbath is not just to follow a rule or do a religious thing. The point is coming back to a realization that actually God's the one who works primarily. He's the prime worker and we get to be invited into his work. And any of our work that we do is sub, uh, under the work that he does. But it's so easy for the work that we do to become the center and think that what we're doing is what's really important. and We need God to help us. Whereas actually the opposite is true. God is the primarily one that works. God is the one that creates. God is the one that provided in the wilderness. God is the one who saved. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who gave us a family, a life, home, kids. He's the one that gives the ability to work. He's the one that gave the food each morning. They had to go and collect it, but he gave it. He's the one that works. And we get to enter into his work. And living like this, with him at the center, lets him take the load, lets him set the pace, and we get to live trusting daily, And actually, the goal is that we can live like that each day and actually experience rest. But a a rhythm to help us stay in that place is often needed as well. So I guess there's a question as we finish today is what could a regular rhythm of rest look like um, in our our schedules? Because the idea of spiritual practices is actually we do have to do something. We have to actually make adjustments to our life to create space for God. What could that look like in this season? And what could it look like to let go of control through that and come back to this daily faith of letting God be God and us trusting him? So let's pray and then, and then we'll sing. We just thank you, God, that your heart is for rest. There is work to do and you, you invite us into your work, but you call us to rest and even work from a place of rest and Your heart is even to give rest to your people in a wilderness, um, to provide even though they grumble. Um, You're just so patient and kind with us in our weaknesses, in our pride, in our anxiety and insecurity. And We just ask, God, that you would help us be more and more people who are unhurried, who are trusting you each day. And we just ask for wisdom in our day and age, in the wilderness that we face, in the struggles and demands and pressures on our lives, God. Give us grace to live lives of connection and trust and releasing of control. We just ask for grace to experience your life and your peace in that way. We just pray this in your name. Amen.